Welcome to Lessons of Life, Lesson 17, Studying People and, you know, Being a Watcher. <laughs> so, from my own experience, I've always been a watcher that just has come naturally to me. And the reason it came naturally to me, of course, was the experiences in my life. And up until the age of four, I was pretty freely sharing my visions and dreams and around the age of four I became aware it was bothering my parents. And so we were at the drive-in theater and my sister and I were running to the concession stand and she was running really fast and I was trying to keep up with her, you know, and I was running looking down at the ground at our feet. And she jogged to the right, and I just kept going. And she jogged to the right because there was a pole in the way, and I went smack into the pole. And my teeth got smackoed, you know, and went through some hell with my teeth. And uh, later in life was, you know, hit in the mouth again, and that caused, you know, more damage to the teeth that kept my mouth shut. I kept my mouth shut as a result of this and would watch and listen. And I just, you know, really was paying attention to people and people watching. And I came to discover uh, that one of my favorite authors, H.G. Wells, uh, wrote a book the outline of history and I just fell in love with that book and I would I was just obsessed with going back and looking at uh, earlier printings and earlier printings and earlier printings give me to the original word okay let me see how it changed over time because in the last edition that I fell in love with in the first one I read he stated straight up front, you know, this is my procession in the forward. I'm a Christian and that's going to flavor this. And you just need to be aware of that, you know, as you read this book. And so I just, oh, yeah. You know, so I'd go back and go back and discover how even when he was reporting on the Piltdown Man, he was skeptical about it in the 1920s, you know, and by 1954 it had been debunked. And he, you know, went through that and it was just fascinating to me. And I realized that, you know, as long as the man lived who found, quote unquote, the Piltdown Man, you know, everybody believed in the Piltdown Man. But as soon as he past, it all fell apart. And, you know, that later you come to realize that was his dream and he believed in it and, it, and there was nothing that was going to shake him. And so everybody else fell in line with him until he passed. Now he wasn't influencing those people anymore. And, you know, new thoughts started coming out about it. And so this is what, you know, happens. And there's a neat little line in the Dracula 2020 series where 
she's given her life and she's taken the ship down and it's just the young boy who was working in the kitchen and the cook who managed to escape the boat and he uh, he's like what do we do what do we do because we honor them so how do we do that we tell their story so some people's stories get you know told further uh, Martin Luther King's a good one you know that let's keep that alive but at some point you know man always takes it too far always if you believe in the objective side of life and the majority do they'll take it too far and then they become the very thing they they claim was injuring them and and needed to stop and now they've come to hate it they even though it stopped they can't believe it stopped they've been fighting that fight for so long they can't they can't stop you know and it's okay you, you did a good thing you don't have to fight this anymore you know it's over and as a watcher you're not you know emotionally involved in it you're just watching and you're not judging you're just noting that that's stupid thinking because it's selfish and stupid and that's that's good thinking you know they're they're doing it out of love they're they're righteous <laughs> and the bible says that a lot of righteous 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 and and what it means is when someone is passionately righteous whether they're objective or subjective looking, they're coming at it from love. And this is the key. And it's just going to keep on growing. That story is going to grow. And the other story will get choked out and die. And, you know, people can feel that. They can feel that the thing that they've been loving on is dying. You know, and that scares them. And so they go into overdrive with it. You know, when you sit back and watch people, you can see this. So these are the patterns that you pick up in crowds of people by just watching. By just watching them. You know, and everybody loves life. Everybody loves life, but they take it too far. Okay? And... I'm sure you're thinking, Rita, how can you love take loving life too far? Well, you, really, you can't. But when you look at it objectively, then yes, they can. And it's this virus, you know, uh, uh, you're taking it too far. There's no life without death. And this wasn't about staying at home to hide from a virus and not die. Or get sick. It was about making sure the hospital system could handle it. That anyone who did get sick or got really, really sick, they could handle it. And they can more than handle it. You know, and this is why people are frustrated and don't want to wear masks anymore. And don't want to do this six foot apart anymore. And just, let's go live life, okay? Let's stop being scared of life. You know, it's never been about saving lives. It's about doing the best we can with what we have and what we know.
Okay, and no, it's not about hiding in our homes until there's a vaccine. Because the vaccines never work anyways on the virus that's going around. By the time they come out with a vaccine, it's mutated. That's what happens naturally. Okay, and they've managed to scare us all at first with this virus. You know, and I wasn't scared, but, you know, when you step back and look at it, it's we're running around like chickens with our heads cut off. Go in your ark. You know, is what you're being told. Now, you change what objective man's told you. No, they don't think like that. I know they don't think like that. I know they know the hospital systems can handle all this and it's time for everybody to come out. You know, this is kind of the story of the Pied Piper. And the notice the Pied Piper takes their children. And everybody loves their children. And they don't want to give them up for anything. But they weren't willing to pay him because he got rid of all the rats in their town. And all those rats came from their ugly beliefs. And because they believed that way, they lost their children. Okay? That's the story. You know, you're going to lose out. You're scaring your children by sending them to school. If objective men insist we got to take temperatures every time they go in and out, and we all have to wear masks, and we have to teach them how to elbow pump and all this other crap. You know, no. No. You're conditioning your child to be afraid. They're going after the children. And the children, you know, are the ones that need to be saved. And so you can teach your children at home. You can block the messaging app that comes with the school system. No reason for that teacher to be talking to your kid unless you're there. You know, seriously, one-on-one -on, -one on a chat. Yeah, you need to be there. And it's things like this. It's adapting to what's been thrown at you and doing the best you can with it. And you don't have to accept what Caesar is giving you. You go within and give to God what is God's. You, you tell him, no, I'm not going to have my child grow up like that. Mm -mm -mm. No, Father, you know, give me the answer. And you'll get the answer. And some people will be, you know, school's important because it's where kids learn to socialize and meet all these different kinds of people and how to deal with bullies and how to deal with, you know, mean girls <laughs> and deal with that peer pressure, you know, that comes throughout life and blowing it off. No, I'm not listening to you guys. You're just a bunch of mullets. Lemmings, y'all go ahead, go jump off the cliff. I'll watch. <laughs> yeah. It's things like that that you learn at school around others. But when you start letting your child go to school at the age of four before they've even had time to fully develop their imaginations with you in charge of it, then, you know, you get what you get. And that's a state-enhanced imagination that they think 
they rule because they look at it objectively and they treat you like Pavlov's dog. I'll give you an example. When my daughter was in first grade, she came home and her daddy was going to um, barbecue some chicken and sausage. And when he barbecued, he would drink a beer. And so he got the barbecue going. He went and grabbed a beer and went outside, popped it, and she started crying. I'm like, Leslie, what is wrong with you? Why are you crying? Daddy's going to die. Daddy's going to die. He's drinking a beer and he smokes cigarettes and daddy's going to die. What are you talking about? They're going to take him away, put him in jail. What? So she shows me this picture that they colored that day. And it was a man, you know, with a beer. And there was a, you know, no beer, you know. Drinking beer is bad for you, you know. And he had a cigarette, no cigarettes. And drinking cigarettes are bad for you. It will kill you. That's what it said. Okay, yours truly went, you know, ballistic, went red. I grabbed her and hugged her and I said, who gave you this? And she's like, the teacher. You know, and I was like, well, your teacher is wrong. And I'm going to go up to the school and straighten this out. Don't you listen to them. There's nothing wrong with your daddy having a beer while he barbecues us dinner. Not a thing going to happen to him. And there's nothing wrong with us smoking cigarettes. They're the ones who thinks it kills you, and it doesn't. It just relaxes you. You know, now, don't you listen to them? Don't listen to them. And, you know, <laughs> being the hot mama, the first thing in the morning, I'm down there at the school, you know, and uh, Leslie stayed home that day, and... Uh, my neighbor was watching the kids while I went up to the school with that picture in my hand. And, you know, I went in, I want to speak to the principal. Well, she's busy. I'll wait, you know. And she comes back, and I'm like, you know, Diane, your first grade teacher gave this to my daughter to color, and I don't know what that woman said while they were coloring, but I do know that when my husband went to go barbecue our chicken last night and popped open a beer and lit a cigarette, my daughter went hysterical on how her daddy's going to die and maybe go to jail. He's going to die and go to jail. He's going to be taken away somehow. You know, what is the matter with you? This is perfectly legal to smoke and drink, and you don't get to make a moral judgment out of it, including health. That is none of your business, all right? You're here to teach them how to read, write, and do arithmetic, and some history. That's it. You don't get to teach them anything else. You know, I'm insulted, and I'm taking this to the school board unless you rectify this immediately. And I mean immediately. Well, how do you want me to do that? How about you tell your teachers they don't get to do this? How about you tell your teachers they don't get to force their own moral code on all the children that come in their classroom? That they can just mind their own business about that, thank you very much. And all they're doing is upsetting little six-year-old children. And I'm not having it. And you're not going to have it either, because otherwise, you're going to have mommies like me in here. And maybe daddies, too. Who knows? 
oh, oh, yes, yes. I'm so, Chrissy, uh, Diane, I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. I better not see another thing like this come home with my daughter. And I assure you, I talk to my daughter every day. What went on at school today? What did the teacher say? So I can correct anything that comes out of her mouth. That is her perception that she has no business passing on. You know, I stomped out of there. And, you know, you look back on your life and you realize, you know, at least for myself, that was my number one pet peeve. Don't you shove your perception on my children. I don't think so. You know, uh-uh-uh-uh-uh. You know, in the meanwhile, I'm taking other people's perceptions on. But, you know, that's how you learn. And so like a mother hen, I was protecting them and making them think critically about it. You know, well, why do you think that? You know, and they would tell me why they thought that. Well, you know, he also was like this, you know, talking about historical people or, you know, things like that. So it's uh, really a perception. And it's your perception that matters. No one else's matters. And if they believe in the outside, they're going to fall in line with you if you insist. Yes, they will. Unless there's somebody like me who, no, I don't think so. I tell my children what to do, not you. Okay. And it's the same with your mind. You know, No, I don't think so. I am the one who decides what to believe and not to believe. You know, and when you are righteously um, passionate, righteous in your passion of what you love, and you know you're right about it, and these are the things that just instantly come into being. You know, it is. It's, it's, it's what comes into being. So, I hope this helps. You know, for me, it's been going on since I was extremely young and forced to be, you know, keep my mouth shut and watch and listen and just know that, you know, in the end you can see it all works out. So why did they get all so upset on the way there? And it's just something we do, you know, it adds the salt, the salt and pepper to life. So I hope this helps. Blessings to you. And thank you. Thank you for being you.